You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Jalan True. Alan Seiler. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> and Veronica Dashel. I'm back. Yay! <laughs> and tonight we're going to be talking about a lot of things that are upcoming in Star Trek, from Section 31 to Starfleet Academy, potentially Star Trek Legacy. Um, but first, Keith, do we have some This Week in Trek this week? We do. We have a couple of things going on. The first one I'm going to mention is it's a personal thing for me. Um, it's because this is my favorite episode of the original, uh, I'm sorry, of the animated series. But on the 30th of April, 1938, was born one Larry Niven, oh. who created the race that was um, the Kazenti race, the cat, right. the feline cat creatures that was, that was featured in the start in the uh, original, the animated series episode, the slaver weapon, mm-hmm. which is my favorite episode, of the animated series. Yes. Sorry folks. It's not the one where Spock goes back in time to meet <laughs> his younger self. Ironically, uh, kind of like those who love the Tholian web. It's also the only animated series episode where Kirk doesn't have an appearance. <laughs> oh, but so I you're love not Kirk whole- guy. I love Kirk, but it's just, it's such a great episode with the whole concept of the slaver weapons and all the other stuff that goes on in that, and the Kazin. I yeah. just love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, moving forward, um, and Charles had posted this in our group. This is super important. On the 1st of May, 1923, 100 years old, Star Trek, the original series director, Ralph Sineski, was born mm-hmm. and is still going and still making appearances and still appearing on podcasts. We need to try to get him. Yeah, we might have. I've emailed him. (laughs) Really? He he didn't answer. And just sharp as heck. And for those who know, Ralph Sineski is, I think, the number three most prolific director of the original series. He directed um, episodes This Side of Paradise, Bread and Circuses, Obsession, Return to Tomorrow, and Metamorphosis. Mm. Uh, what I what I found interesting in researching Ralph is his original first episode of Star Trek was supposed to be The Devil in the Dark. Oh, but there there was a scheduling switch, and his first episode became This Side of Paradise, the famous one with the spores. Yeah. And going from an episode that was kind of an adventure, kind of sort of a quote unquote monster episode, to one that was so deeply as emotional. As this side of paradise, the studio was super impressed with his ability to pivot like that. And so mm. they brought him back for other episodes. And I think every episode he directed, I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. Something else I found I didn't realize, everybody probably knows the third season of the, the original series was infamous for Fred Freiberger mm-hmm. t- taking over and the, and the major budget cuts to the show. Well, Ralph Sineski directed the Tholian Web. But... He went over schedule and over budget, and and, oh. fr- and Freeberger fired him, and then brought <laughs> someone else in to finish the show. Although the vast majority of the footage seen in that episode was Ralph's, he just doesn't have credit for it. Wow! And to this wow. and to this day, he doesn't like to talk about that. Wow! Yeah, Crazy. absolutely amazing. Great director, yeah. and um. I'm moving on. Um, this one is important. I, like I said, I typically don't like to do deaths, but in 2015, we lost Grace Lee Whitney, mm. who was uh, Janice Rand, yeah, an, an important person, I think, in Star Trek history, especially. I love it when she came back for the movies because she was written out of the series for reasons I still don't quite fully understand. But it was nice to see her come back in the movie and have gotten a commission to become an officer. Right. And 2nd of May, this is a, this is a crazy day. 2nd of May. In 1966, the outline for the Star Trek original series episode, Court Martial, where Kirk goes on trial for <laughs> ejecting Ben Finney, which is always funny to me, was right. submitted. That is literally one of my favorite episodes. Also yep. introduced the famous bell that we've been talking about, the ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, right. ding, ding, at the court. Also on the 2nd of May in 1967, Veronica, first day of filming of Cat's Paw. Yay! The Halloween <laughs> episode. Also. <laughs> 
On the 2nd of May, 1967, first day on the set of Star Trek for one Walter Koenig. Oh, that's cool. Also, yeah. on the 2nd of May, 1967, <laughs> the final draft was submitted for a mock time. Oh, wow. The good one. absolute one of the best episodes ever in Star Trek mm-hmm. history. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Um, 3rd of May, 1966. This makes sense because we're talking about the years when the show was getting kicking. Incredible day. Drafts were submitted finally for the Cormamite Maneuver and the Enemy Within. Hmm. Also, quintessential Star Trek episodes. And then the last two I have, 5th of May, 1942. This is a birthday that I think is super important to mention. 1942 was the one, was the birth of one called The Neck. Anybody guess who that might be? The Neck? The Neck. This actor is called The Neck for his long, thin neck. Marco Lambo? That's who it is. Gold the cup. <laughs> well, I was thinking that might be it, but I thought that's too obvious. That's too on the nose. That's too on the nose. Was. Uh, he had he had other bit parts. He played a ROM and then a couple of bit parts. But those who watch the Star Trek shows may know that he first appeared as a um, as a Cardassian with sideburns and a big mustache, no doubt. In um, the episode, was that called the Wounded? The Wounded. He played Gold Marset. Yep, and then and he, he had a few popular. appearances before that too. Yeah, he's played all kinds of characters, mm-hmm. kind of like um, Tim Russ. Then, of course, he was brought on. They were so impressed with him as Go on my set, they decided to bring him on for Deep Space Nine. But they wanted to redo his history, his character, and thus mm-hmm. Gold the Cot was born. Yeah, literally one of the best antagonists in all of Trek history. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing for me, this is an important one because this became a meme and a theme and a discussion that will not stop. On the 6th of May, 1996, aired the Voyager episode Tubix. And did oh, anybody do the right thing or not? <laughs> <laughs> We're not getting into that tonight. We'll get, nope. I know, right? <laughs> we can't get down the Tubix rabbit hole. Nope. <laughs> right. That's this week in Trek history. All right. Well, for listening on the audio podcast, we'll take a quick break right here and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But stay tuned because when we get back, we'll be talking about the what's upcoming uh, for Star Trek. So stay right there. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. I'm Tony Heath. And we host the Watchathon or Rassilon, a podcast where we're watching through all of classic Doctor Who. Nope, we've already done that. We did? Well, then now what do we do? What do we two do? We review New Who. Ooh, we two review New Who? We do. Just for you. Who? Not you, them, the listeners of the podcast. Ah. The Watchathon of Rassilon. Now we review New Who too. Woohoo! I mean, the, the big thing that they've been promoting for the last few years, and now we've actually got some details on, is Section 31. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's it turns out it's, it's taking a different form than what we expected, that Section 31 now is not going to be a show. It's going to be uh, basically a streaming movie. Right. I, I have to wonder. You know, people have been talking about, now that Michelle Yeoh is winning Oscars and all these kind of things that she's out of their price range. I just wonder if it's not that it's not, but if it's not a schedule thing, maybe mm-hmm. she, she simply can't con- commit to an ongoing series. Like they had yeah. originally planned to do section 31. I think that she's just got so many offers in the bag that she's like, you know, I still want to do it, but I can't do a long-term thing. Let's just, you know, and they said a movie and yeah, she be. said, let's yeah. do it. That's that's kind of my theory. That's that's headcanon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another possibility. I mean, it's been all over the news that streaming services are cutting back right. spending. That they could right. be they still want to have Michelle Yeoh, but they don't want to commit to yet another Star Trek series. You know, that's, so that, it, that's I think that's very likely as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's playing into a lot of the things that we're that mm-hmm. have, have come out in the last few weeks. Yeah. What I what I did find interesting was that the um the powers that be behind the new Star Trek world said that they spoke to her after she had won her Oscar. And they were, as you were saying, Alan, they were a little concerned that she might say, oh, I don't have time for this. I can't do this. And they said, she said, hey, I'm down for this. I love that world. I love Mm -hmm. Giorgio. I can't wait to come back. And they were pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, she didn't say, well, I've got an Oscar now. I'll see you later. So (laughs) they were were very happy with that. I think that's a very cool thing to hear. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, what do we, how do we feel about it being a film instead of a series? Mm. I think it's a good area for them to be moving into, mm. you know, just the, the whole idea of standalone. I say, let's do it. And I wasn't that interested in the topic to follow an ongoing series anyway. Right. I don't think anyone was. I mean, they, they've <laughs> yeah. been promoting this for years and everyone's like, Okay. Right. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, I like Michelle Yeoh and I'm happy. I mean, sure. it, it makes sense. I mean, she's a rising star and, you know, Academy Award winner now. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to keep her in the Star Trek universe. But yeah, the the subject matter of Section 31 and Admiral, I mean, and um, Emperor Giorgio is probably the yeah. least interesting idea for a show they've had since <laughs> this yeah. since it came back, you know? Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, that was generated out of, I mean, the only real thing they had going on at the time was disco. And this seemed like a natural spin from that where you're going to have Giorgio and you're going to have the continuation of uh, Ash Tyler's storyline and you have the possibility of Laurel coming back. You know, all these things make it Mm. a possibly interesting show, but I'm fine with it just being a a movie. Mm -hmm. Me too. I um, have mentioned, I think in our discussions online or in our group that, I'm old enough to have grown up at the time when the TV movie ruled, where there was always like an ABC movie of the week and an NBC movie of the week. And those were great movies. And a one shot was always kind of nice. And it would sometimes leave you wanting more. And sometimes it would turn into something else. Um, There were some some science fiction shows and stuff that they tried to start series off of. And there were some good TV movies that were pre and post series. Like there was a couple of uh, Incredible Hulk movies back in the day that were pretty decent. So I, I, I think a movie would be good because I agree with Section 31 to me is kind of like the Borg. They're supposed to be the secretive clandestine cloak and dagger organization and getting too much behind the scenes and, and trying to explore them and expand them too much kind of to me takes away the mystique. Um, it's kind of like a personal thing for me, even though it's a really good series in the Marvel Comics world when the history of the character Wolverine came out. I said, oh, man, I didn't want to know who he was, Logan was, because he, <laughs> he was such a mystery. Um, for me, with Discovery, I didn't like Section 31 anyway. I liked the way it was introduced in Deep Space Nine, where the dude, who, please help me with his name, the first Sloan. Sloan. Sloan, where he literally claimed that Section 31 was him and two thugs and one little room and one little building. That was yeah. basically all like a, co- a, you know, a cloakroom. Right. And they could never figure out, well, is he telling the truth or not? Yeah. Then you find out later that admirals were complicit with Section 31. Yeah. Then you go back to Enterprise and they introduce Section 31. But even then, it was always <laughs> this organization. You couldn't tell how widespread its influence was. Right. I like that. Right. But, you know, the only real purpose for Section 31 in Enterprise was just to try anything at all to give some kind of interesting storyline to read. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. He was... And even Section 31 is not that powerful. (laughs) 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 Yeah, on DS9, like you could never tell for sure if Section 31 was just Sloan. Right. Yeah. This one crazy guy, you know? Yeah. But that's, that was, I mean, I wasn't huge into Section 31 even on DS9. Mm -hmm. I liked Sloan and I liked a Mm -hmm. few of those stories, but really it was DS9 trying to do like the conspiracy fad of the 90s you know right. he's trying to do the sort of the x-files thing with the smoking man that that sort of right. thing mm. right now they've right. described this movie as being a cross between mission impossible and guardians of the galaxy uh, which okay. you know a, a natural fit <laughs> right i can see the you mission just impossible. see those two things just like that <laughs> yes right what's the guardians angle i see that i see the mission impossible what's i mean probably I don't th- we don't know <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would guess it's just be 70s rock songs in the soundtrack yes but i mean i would have thought something more along the lines of like the dirty dozen or mm-hmm. um, more recently the suicide squad like yeah. where you have these sort of outcast yeah. characters and they have to come together for a mission for section 31 like i could see that that sounds good you know? but yeah that's um, kind of guardians of the galaxy as well guardians yeah. of the, but guardians of the galaxy has sort of a lighter more optimistic tone i think where yes right I mean, I guess yeah. not. I mean, maybe Rocket is not a great guy, you know, or right. Drax. So I guess that's true. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. at the very least, it sort of indicates there's going to be a team that she's yeah. on. 
Yeah, that's a weird reference. You're right. That's a weird reference because they have they're lighthearted. That's almost like a cowboy bebop reference or comparison mm. for, for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I didn't like Section 31 having all these ships and uniforms and badges and discovery because they completely took them from a shadow organization to something like the CIA. So yeah. hopefully that forced to do one movie, they'll have to tone that down a little bit. One thing yeah. I was a little I guess I shouldn't be surprised about. I love Section 31 as a concept, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised, mm. even our even in our own Facebook group and online, the number of people who absolutely do not like Section 31 because for them it's a bridge too far away mm. from Gene's vision of the future. And I guess that makes sense. Um, it doesn't bother me, but there are people who are like it should not exist in that future. I don't care what they just even yeah. on Deep Space Nine, there's some people like it should not exist. I don't want right. to see it anymore. I'm yeah. sorry, but idealism and realism are two very different things, and yeah. both Amen. can exist. Yeah, well said. I agree. I like that. I agree with that. That's a good. That's a good mm-hmm. phrase. I'm gonna keep that. It's kind of like when warps are. It's, it's all yours, like a, man. I gift it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, but that's a very good point. It's kind of like when Guyman had a talk with Worf about what Klingons really were, because he thought yeah. they were these perfect, you know, noble samurai, and she's like, man, no, nah, they cheat and lie and do all that kind of stuff. So I agree with you. I think Section 31 exists, especially when, let's be honest about this, when your entire quadrant of the galaxy is about to fall to the Dominion, which you really right. stand on your principles and not do Section 31 stuff. Right. Mm. Yeah. Would you? Right. Yeah, maybe. All right. Yeah. Is it okay if I get a bunch of comments? Please. Sure. We got a bunch. Yeah. All right. Our buddy Dan Lecky from Scotland says, I have no interest in Section 31 film. Even that seems <laughs> like an understatement. Yeah. Well, yeah Dan. And Dan's and there's a lot of people there. that agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. He says, and, and Dan, do you guys, do you guys think mm-hmm. it's possible that the current Writers Guild of America might strike, might unfortunately affect upcoming Trek productions? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it will have an effect. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because um uh, strange new world season five is in not production yet it, but it's mm-hmm. in conception so they'll yeah. have to not work on that for a little while well three season three i mean three uh, right i'd love it if they had three four <laughs> three and four in the can already but yeah yeah right. i mean i, I we, we know that Strange New World season two is done. It's coming out soon. Yeah, Lower right. decks that sh- they're already in the uh, animation. This written earlier, so like okay. legacy. Right. I mean, I'm a prodigy. They wrote like two years ago, and right. Oh, okay. um, Lower decks would already be written because it's supposed to debut like in a few months. So I mean, I would expect like maybe the third season of Strange New Worlds in Starfleet yeah. Academy could be right. affected by the writer strike. Yeah, and it just depends on how long this thing goes, and it probably won't be. I mean, it might be a matter of weeks. I don't, it probably won't be a long thing. So it's not going to have a huge impact. Well, yeah, the it last depends on how was, long it goes. Well, the last exactly. One was 100 yeah. days. Yeah. The last one was three months. So, right. you, okay. Yeah. I didn't remember it being that long. Yeah, yeah. They were afraid of that. One thing I found interesting, a lot of times in doing my This Week in Trek history, I don't have screenwriters experience. What I, I'm amazed sometimes to see is like, I'll, I'll see an episode or I'll see a date and it'll say on this date, and I'll look at it and I'll think it's the final outline. It's the first draft of an episode to submit it. And then mm-hmm. you look and there's another thing. It'll say second rewrite of the episode submitted, third rewrite of the episode submitted, and then finally final draft. So because yeah. one thing I heard was they said Hollywood was stocking up on scripts against this. But there's so many times those scripts still need polish. And that can right. be a problem there. You need the rewrites and the, and the you know new draft versions. So that could mess them up if they don't have pure well, final scripts in place mm-hmm. they, they might just put out a bunch of drafts <laughs> yeah but, i mean you're right it, it does affect things like rewrites yeah and yeah. you know even actors who are part of the wga can't like improv yeah. things or suggest things for their characters it, it gets kind of sticky in that respect yeah. so it absolutely does right yeah okay but i, I, I do oh, say i do support the guild in striking i think they have legitimate mm-hmm. concerns and mm-hmm. i Amen. think that the artists need to be protected yeah and i think it's okay if if a trek series gets delayed a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be fine because mm-hmm. you'll still have us doing a show every week. <laughs> We're not in the WGA. We're not in, exactly. <laughs> we don't write any of our stuff anyway. No. Okay. Patrick Anderson is wondering what could hey, some Patrick. possible plots be for section 31 movie? Oh, oh that's a yeah. good point. Would it be some one big universe threatening threat that they have to take on? Probably. I'm sure. 
And what would yeah? Uh, <laughs> right. That's every I mean, this is from the this is from the Discovery right team, <laughs> right? Yeah, Discovery card. Because the Dominion, with especially with Changelings and Cardassians in the mix and Romulans, the Dominion War justified Section Thirty One. I know some people may disagree with that, but at least justified people wanting to use a Section Thirty One. Yeah. So you're right. Now they've already done the Changelings and the Borg and Picard. So and the Cardassians, I guess, have rebuilt their um, their empire or their their civilization under Garrick. Yeah, but isn't Section Thirty One like? set in the Kirk era? Well, we don't know. We don't know when it's set. I mean, we know that she went uh, back yeah, to the time point, portal yeah. to get back closer to her normal timeline because being in the future was bad for her because she was from yeah. another dimension. Yeah, for thank, you for, thank you for saying that, Veronica Charles. I, I, yeah. I'm talk, I was thinking that loud and wasn't saying because you're right, Georgia went into the, the Guardian and I'm not sure mm -hmm. what time period she's going to emerge right. in. So right, they, they sort of, yeah, they left it open-ended so they could basically put that project anywhere they want. Right. The assumption is that she went back to the time from which she came, but there's no reason yeah. why she couldn't have ended up in some other place. It's you know how many so people they could in some other dimension. They could win so many people over if she just showed up like in the 25th century and teamed up with Worf and Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, go. I'm on board now. <laughs> there you go. Yep. That would so work. It, it's so they obvious. It is so incredibly obvious, but I could see a, a I could see a justified story with Section Thirty One and the prelude to the Earth Romulan War. Could be, especially because the, yeah. the Romans are so covert. You know, the whole thing yeah. like at that time at the time of Kirk, no one had ever even seen a Romulan, mm. and mm -hmm. so I could see Section Thirty One being like this group that's fighting this threat that some people don't even believe exists because nobody's seen them. Right. Um, and slight slight spoilers for Enterprise: the Romans are introduced. But again, nobody sees them. They they work behind the scenes to try to foment um, right. dissension, chaos between what was the burgeoning federation they hadn't formed yet. So I could see Section One right working against the Romulans to stop that war or to take sure. them out before a war starts. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she's going to join a team begrudgingly of sort of outcast <laughs> characters who don't fit in society and they're going to yeah. go somewhere they're not supposed to go and do something they're not supposed to do for the good of the Federation and then yes. save the universe by the end. That's the Guardian's angle, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was I, I, presuming that she does go back to the time from which she came. I would really like mm -hmm. Laurel to be involved in some way. Yes. And having Laurel involved with 31 with some kind of Romulan threat that would be interesting, I think, yeah. because yeah. I, I just think it'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, Agreed. so our good buddy, Tiger Blade 2002 says, is there any type of synopsis for Section 31? Absolutely just not ours. yet. Nope. <laughs> just what yeah, just the up. ones that we come up with. <laughs> right, and <laughs> ours are great. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, wow, one boss and a couple of thugs in a room. That's kind of a Tom Clancy ish. Yeah, that's all right. Wayne and I had um, Wayne and I had a really good discussion about Section Thirty One a week or two ago. Really, oh cool. Um, there was a really long and deep discussion where he was mentioning the whole things with um, Tom Clancy. We were discussing that. You know, is it a, mm. is it a, is it a cloak and dagger organization? Is it a Tom Clancy type organization? Is a a CIA type organization? NSA? You know, you can throw what they say, throw any alphabets at it you want what would they actually be like? Again, I like the smaller one where, like you said, Charles, they're like, is Sloan just want some crazy dude you know, by himself or not? And then later right. on, when you find out some admirals are involved, well, there's something else going on. Mm. Right. Mm. And he also says, you couldn't have an, a government organization without a covert operation. True, but that's what Starfleet mm. intelligence is. I think that's where people right. draw the lines. You have the official intelligence agency, but then you have Section Thirty-One, who's supposed to break all the rules and do what they're not supposed to do. And right, you know, I think I like Star Trek to have like that moral character to the Federation. Mm -hmm. You know, where they try to do things the right way. So I'm not opposed necessarily to a group of people who don't do things the right way. I just mm -hmm. it really depends on how the show's framed and when right. it's set and who the characters are. I mean, I'm sure I'll come around to it. I like Michelle Yeoh. I would much yeah. rather her see her playing Captain Giorgio than Emperor right. Giorgio, to be honest. But yes, right is what it is. You know, I think that train has yeah. sailed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what we do know about Section mm -hmm. 31, though, is being directed by Olatunde Onsensanme, who's really the principal director on Discovery. 
He's fantastic. Oh, he can okay. be. Okay. I like okay. him. There, okay. Some of his episodes I like a lot. And then sometimes okay. it's like a quiet episode where people are just talking and he just spinning the camera around and I feel like he got bored. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> yeah. but like he directed that ep- the first episode of season three of discovery where she went into the future that was set in yes. um, ice or filmed in Iceland. I thought yes. it was fantastic. He did a great it was, job. It really was. Right. I guess only the really good ones of his stick out in my mind. Right. And then it's being directed by Craig Sweeney. I mean, written by Craig, by Craig Sweeney, who was a writer and producer on the first season of Discovery for like the first half or something. And then, okay. um, but he's got a lot of sci-fi cred. He worked on the 4400 um, under Rene Echeverria, who had previously been mm-hmm. on DS9 um, and a few other things that are in that vein. So, I mean, he's not new to sci-fi or new to Star Trek at this point. So um, we've got at least some, some folk. I like though, I mean, and this is sort of segue into the next thing, but. Mm-hmm. Um, like Alex Kurtzman has described this as phase two of Star Trek, of their yeah. era of Star Trek, I should say. And they said that they're planning to do one of these streaming movies every two years, which is what I've been I saying they should do. I mean, you uh-huh. don't have you can tell Star Trek stories that don't cost five hundred million and have to make a billion to be profitable. Yeah, that you yes. do on the TV. I mean, the TV side they've been doing feature level stuff for several years now and yeah, proving right. that they can handle it. Right. Hmm. And also, I would, I would, you, you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alan. No, no. Um, also, I was going to say real quickly. You can therefore justify exposure to all kinds of different characters that might not mm-hmm. be justified in a series. Right. Right. Cool. You know. Right. And I, I would like to see it more often than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, I would. I, I don't know what I'm going to say. Never mind. But I, I would yeah. really like to see something like that more than once every two years. Mm-hmm. Again, just so you can explore and, parts of the galaxy that you wouldn't normally get, right? Yeah, to go back in time to when I was a, when I was a child, a kid, um, there were all these TV movies. There were mystery movies. There was um, a series starting the late great Rock Hudson called Macmillan and Wife. There were shows like uh, McCloud. There were all these all these things. Some of them became series, but they often had movies. And sometimes what we would call whole series really existed just as television movies. And like you were saying, Alan, there would be one or two of those movies a season, and it would be you no know, ninety minutes instead of an hour, and it would be more packed with a, a di- more densely pop- a dense uh, plot. And those were great ways to in, get into this world and engage with characters without the mm-hmm. studio at the time to justify which at the time was what twenty six to twenty eight episodes. So you could do movies about seven while we are everybody's mm-hmm. belly aching saying please give us this captain seven series well they could do a movie and then mm-hmm. go from there you know you could do um if only um every books would cooperate you could do a deep space nine television movie you could do all right. kinds of stuff and then see what yeah. sticks yeah and right also like t- tv movie doesn't have the same connotation it had a sort of negative and cheap connotation when we exactly. were younger. Exactly. But now, I mean, movies are, they'll come out on streaming the same day that they mm-hmm. come out in theaters sometimes, you know, yes. that, that window has dropped dramatically and there's not really much of a difference between films that go to, go to the big screen versus the small screen, other than you can't see it in the cinema. Um, right. But I mean, we're talking about the, the first Star Trek TV movie in quotes, mm-hmm. but it's starring the lady who just won the Academy Award for best actress, <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's a, it's a bigger deal. They yes. should, it, they should do a, theatrical release even if it's one day mm-hmm. yes. because that's extra income for them and i would yeah. go see it don't in do a theater thing charge yeah. for it and yeah. guarantee us seats yeah charge for it and don't make <laughs> us drive to coming georgia please thank you but thank I, you. I, I would love to go see it on the big screen though yeah absolutely okay. and then i would watch it again on paramount yeah yeah, yeah. anyway absolutely. yes Okay, uh, Dan Leckie chimes in with a return of short treks would be preferable to him than either the telefilm or the legacy concepts. Now, first of all, mm. yes, I 100% want a return of short treks. Mm. Those are fantastic. 100%. Yeah, well, they could be. I, I felt like short treks were very hit and miss. There were some really good ones, yeah. yes. some that I did not like at all. But Agreed, but I still love the concept of it. I still love the yeah. idea of of having those extra chapters, basically. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, they, people have talked for years about that they'd love to see a Star Trek anthology series. Yes. Kind of like the Twilight Zone, but in the Star Trek universe. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, just recently, Akiva Goldsman was saying he'd love to do one. Ooh, but yes. I would love for them to expand it into a full show where short treks to me still felt like bonus material. I'd love right. for them to just do a full. And now that they've got 
several different standing sets for different eras, different mm-hmm. costumes, different, you know what I mean? Like you could do a whole extra show for not much more money. That's true. They could. Right. They would still fall into the trap of building whole new sets and, and whole new costumes mm-hmm. and redesigning everything to give yeah. the new show its own look. So they'd mm-hmm. still spend all the same money that they would spend anyway. But we have to redesign all the done. aliens again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Charles, right. you, I hadn't even thought about what you guys are talking about, a Star Trek anthology series. Yeah. With like a different episode. Because I remember, and I got to go back to our Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine had some behind-the-scenes war episodes that were so amazing. There was one episode where, uh, spoilers though, haven't seen the episode where Nog lost his leg. Mm-hmm. The episode where Jake Sisko ran away in the middle of battle, kind of like the Red Badge of Courage. I right. could see an anthology show that just grabs any war, the earth Cardassian War, the Earth-Romlin War, and does one show about soldiers or people stuck on a colony fighting those aliens, just mm-hmm. like Deep Space Nine did. And that'd yeah. be a great episode. And then the Absolutely. next week, we've talked about this so many times, an episode dealing with the medical starships, like mm-hmm. when Beverly commanded for a while and you right. know, move yeah. on to something else. Right. Like when they had that set standing, they could mm-hmm. have saved it and done an extra episode yes. on it on a, a yes. different show's budget and amortize those costs. But also yes. they have that big volume stage now that can do digital environments where you right could on. do whole alien planets and stuff of the week without having to invest a whole lot extra. Right. Right. Absolutely. The possibilities are, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you, Alan. I think I would like to see the short treks come back, but I yeah. I wouldn't want to do it at the sacrifice of the movies, mm. the TV movies. Right. Yeah. I'd rather have short treks. <laughs> oh, really? I think yeah. Charles and I would rather have the movies, right, Charles? TV I would. Movies? As long as the movies are going to be good. If they're all yeah. going to be dumb, then I don't want that. <laughs> but, like, they, and I mean, you, you have a lot of opportunity, I think, to do unusual stories for star trek but i'd love it if they just right. did like a really great star trek movie like yeah. there's yes there's sure. all these great movies that people have sort of a list of like the greatest movies the greatest star trek movies that aren't star trek movies and it's like mm-hmm. run right. silent run deep or master yeah. and commander or yeah. crimson tide like i'd love a, a great oh, yeah. filmmaker to do something in the star trek universe it's just a great star trek movie on a ship on a mission you know what i mean yes. instead yeah. of like it's like Star Trek, but with clowns or something or whatever they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh Klingon wow. clowns, specifically. Right. Look, the one episode of Trek that features a clown is that crazy Voyager episode that creeps me out. So I can do it out. <laughs> no, there's two now. Yep. What's the I want to see. Lower I want to see them. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You're right. I want to see them do some location shoots at SeaWorld and do a whole TV movie around cetacean ops. <laughs> that would be cool. It would be yeah. like Flipper in space. <laughs> it would be brilliant. Starring George and Gracie. <laughs> Correct. What happens well, we to them next? Yeah, we don't know what happened to them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just two of them repopulating a whole uh, species is kind of difficult. Well, well we know what they're up to. all right we want to move on to the next thing um Uh, super quick yeah um wayne says yes the 90 minute movie format was great and dan says that Mm -hmm. the original concept of the discovery was that it would be a an anthology show Mm -hmm. but it was going to be series by like season by season season by season right okay until someone figured out that like cost more money you need to use the same ship again (laughs) right Uh, quick question, Charles. In the Facebook discussion, you were defining what what they were defining as phase two. I, I what is phase oh. two actually called? Right. Or? Well, he's. I think. I think of the the current era of Star Trek from 2017 to now. Um, mm, yes. And and kind of like Marvel has phase two and phase three. Kurtzman was calling this the it's going to be kick off the new the phase two of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. Not necessarily Star Trek from 1966 to now, but that wasn't phase one, but, but just of this current era, they're going into the next phase. Um, I see. And as several people have pointed out, there's already been a phase two of Star Trek that didn't get made uh, with right. Lieutenant Zahn and Ilya. <laughs> right. So what we're watching now with the lower decks, Picard, Strange New Worlds, is he calling that phase two? That's that's phase one. That's phase one. Oh, right. I see. So I they're, see. They're, it just means they're, they're, they're going into the next phase of Star Trek and things are going to be a little bit different. I see. So phase one in new track. <laughs> that can get confusing, but I got you. Okay. 
All right. So, I mean, as part of that, though, um, the next series that's announced is Starfleet Academy. Yes. An interesting move. Yeah. 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 And it seems like it's going to be very much geared toward that sort of CW type audience. Yeah. Right. Uh, With the people who are involved. (laughs) I know. I have the same thought. Like, and I, I, I think a lot of people are going to be against it. Now, the, the, some of those shows can be good. Mm-hmm. And I think that they've had a lot of success so far with doing Star Trek for like other type of genres. You know, like, yeah. uh, like I wasn't excited about an adult animated comedy Star Trek or a kid Star Trek for Nickelodeon. But those both those both wound out to be fantastic shows. Right. So, I mean, it could be that this is the next great thing or it could be <laughs> we're going to have a rough time watching it. <laughs> I'll probably right. really love it. Because <laughs> I start bringing in all my built-in prejudices, and I'm starting to think Felicity, the OC, the 100, you know, all those right. Dawson's Creek and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh no, 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 that that could be yeah. the OC wasn't CW. Is it? No, is it Beverly it? Hills 1701? <laughs> <laughs> Veronica, this is more your wheelhouse as far as a genre goes. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what do you think of Star Trek, uh, Starfleet Academy in this genre? So I, I can I can see that there's been there's a lot of high school drama shows that they do on um, the CW and they've attempted to do um, space based ones before, um, but they never really got off the got off the ground very much. Yeah. Um, but that was because they didn't have the, the history mm. that Star Trek will, because I think most uh, a large portion of fans will at least give it a chance mm-hmm. like they did with prodigy and lower decks mm-hmm. um, where they're star Trek and science fiction fans, older t- typically male are not going to watch this <laughs> space show about teenagers on the CW. Right. But if they, sl- if they do that and slap star Trek on it, they're more likely to at least give it a chance. Yeah. I mean, there have been a few like, like not necessarily space, but genre ones recently. Like I think um, like um, Sabrina and mm-hmm. uh, they did that with the Adams family. They just did a, the, the Wednesday, yep. Wednesday Adams show this right. sort of in that genre right. as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's, it's about Wednesday Adams, but she's going off to like a supernatural prep school of some kind, <laughs> you know, uh, whereas this is going to be, it's, I mean, it's a format that I think works for that genre. It's a, a presumably a young person heading off to a new weird school, but that weird school, instead of being Hogwarts or whatever it is in Wednesday, it's going to be Starfleet Academy, right. where all of a sudden there's aliens and space adventures and science things right. happening. So right. I think that, and it's naturally young people that uh, that's been set up in the Star Trek universe since the sixties. Mm-hmm. I think it makes, it makes sense. Um, I and, agree. I agree. And for one thing, the, you know, before we got uh, prodigy, the anything younger than adult wasn't being targeted by mm-hmm. Star Trek. Right. Mm-hmm. But so and now we have most markets covered except for teen. And I think mm-hmm. this is the, a perfect vehicle to hit that teen market. Right. And I'll bet you that they just like prodigy does. I will bet you that they have a broadcast partnership with somebody. I hope, you so. know, I don't think that they're going to yeah. be expecting, um, Starfleet Academy to bring a teen audience to Paramount plus. I'll no. bet you that they have it platformed somewhere else. Just like prodigy is on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, aside from the animated series where they actually had a, there was a toy line and there was a kid Saturday morning cartoon yeah. since then, they were like, you said they really haven't. And that's one of the I mistakes. Mean, even Prodigy, I, did they do a toy line for Prodigy at all? They, they are. It's the toys are out now. Right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but that's a, a mistake. I think that uh, the Berman era made was that they were targeting, targeting the exact same audience for every one With of those every show. Shows. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Whereas they, they can't just cater to us for Star Trek shows, you know, because we're going to keep getting older. There's going to be fewer and fewer of us, right. you know, like it makes sense to try to snag Absolutely. kids, snag teenagers, snag and, college kids. And as I've said before, that is where Star Wars, may the fourth be with you, Star Wars has been enormously successful. They have mm-hmm. product lines that hit every age group. 
and yeah. they're all good quality. And I'm not just talking television or movies, the book series, the, the easy reader books. There's so much stuff that is Star Wars that any person at any age is going to get hooked on Star Wars. And Trek has not done a good job with that historically. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like my preference for a show of Starfleet Academy would be more like the episode The Valiant and less like 90210. But I mean, (laughs) but I'm sure there's going to be love angst and, you know, young person drama and stuff going on. And I'm fine with that as long as like they're doing real like Star Trek adventures along the way. Like when I I was a kid, I used to read um, there was a series of young adult books about Starfleet Academy. And I used to read the ones about Worf and it was Worf at the Academy. Yep. And like the adventures, they would like, you know, he'd be in school sometimes and he'd be off on a planet sometimes. And I enjoyed them. So absolutely. And I think it has a lot of potential yeah, for for that kind of setting. I think it's going to be right. really good. Um, oh, shit. I was going to say something and I forgot. Never mind. It's funny. It's funny, Charles. You, you, you kept saying snagging this and snagging that. I'm thinking freaking CW clone. They'll be shagging each other all the time. <laughs> they probably well. If I was at Starfield Academy, I probably would too. <laughs> right. So okay, let's let's speculate a little bit for just a few minutes because we've got mm-hmm. a, another topic to get onto. But so mm-hmm. when you're doing a typical Starbase set show, you have the the set of characters that you expect to have you have a captain and a first officer and an engineer and a medical officer and a science mm-hmm. officer blah 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 so Security. how do you think they are going to build a set of characters around Starfleet Academy will we have that kind of setup because you know they'll be doing like mission mockups you know so mm-hmm. do you think that our show is going to be centered around the kids who are uh, positioned on a you know, like a mock adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they'll, I'm sure they'll have mock adventures, but I'm sure they'll also have real adventures where the oh, cadets I, I will know, be along for, right. you know. Right. But and of course, when we talked about, before yeah, well, there was, was announced, when we were talking about what we would want for a Star Trek mm-hmm. Academy series, and my idea was kind of, it's like a cross between the Breakfast Club and a traditional Star Trek cast lineup, you know, yes. where you have the kids or kids that will be 18 to 22, I would guess, right. but mm-hmm. played by 30 year olds, but <laughs> they'll, you know, there'll be the, the sort of charismatic <laughs> captain type and there'll be the sort of the oh, bookish sure. engineer type and there'll be the sciencey type and the, you know what I mean? That's Absolutely. what I would expect. You Absolutely. Have the jock and the nerd and so forth. Right. And hopefully they'll do something really interesting with them though and, and cast them well. That's really the key, I think. It, it, right. And because you don't necessarily want the jock to be the security guy and the and the nerdy one to be the science guy. I mean, that makes sense. But it right. would be more interesting to see them thrown into opposite roles. And, you know, they may do that. They may put them because everybody has to be cross trained. When you're in Starfleet Academy, you're going to learn multiple disciplines. You're not going to have one guy who all he does is security. Mm-hmm. They have to all do everything because you have to understand the way a ship and a crew works. And by doing that, you have to understand how different positions operate. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see them being cast into roles that don't necessarily fit their personalities. That's what I'm looking forward to. Right. And see how they yeah. develop as the show goes on. Hopefully yes, they'll develop like the characters will develop in ways that you don't expect. Like I'd said before, what we know about Kirk and Picard at the Academy was their personalities were basically flipped. Kirk right. was a, a nerd and Picard yeah. was sort of a, a wild young man. And yes. that's not who they grew up to be. So I'd love to see that evolution in an Academy show. Yeah, now see it happen. Yeah, exactly. And for it to be unexpected. Um, right. Now, what little we know about the show in the synopsis, there was a line that said Starfleet Academy is reopening for the first time in a hundred years, which what? Might- it makes it sound like this is a 32nd century show. It, it has be- to be. Yeah. It, because that, that was be why they moved yeah. Tilly off of Discovery and moved her oh, to yeah. Starfleet Academy. Okay. That's got to be the setup. Right. That would make sense. That's and right. now that they're back to Earth, you know, Earth is rejoining the Federation and yes. they reopen Starfleet Academy. Yes. That's been, I think that's a good starting point. And, you know, I mean, I like the 32nd century, so I'm happy to see them continue developing it. I think it's interesting. I like to see how the different races are different in the future. Exactly. And I also want a Boothby type character. Mm-hmm. Yes. There has to be a Boothby type character. I yes. was just going to say that too, Alan, because uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Ray Walston has long since passed. Right. 
they wouldn't get a gardener. Maybe this time it'll be somebody like Chef from South Park. Maybe it'll be the, <laughs> the cook, maybe the cook will be their advisor. Yes. Could no, be. don't yeah. ever bring South Park into Star Trek. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, so you, don't, you don't want him singing Barry White every episode, brother? <laughs> 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 well, I mean, oh, speaking man, of that's... which, though, it's sort of a convention of these types of shows that there's a lot of like contemporary pop type music in it. That's true. And mm-hmm. I was just complaining about Picard having too much contemporary pop music in <laughs> right. it. But so we'll see. I, I hopefully it won't just be, you know, it won't feel like today, but in the future. You know, exactly. I, hopefully they'll 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 remember that they're eleven hundred years from now and do something interesting with the time. Yes. Period. But at the same time, they will be concerned about a contemporary teen audience being able mm-hmm. to connect with it who aren't necessarily Trekkies. Right. You know what I mean? At the very least, hopefully they'll be like studying Taylor Swift and classical music or something. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> well, one thing since I hadn't thought about that angle of the academy has been shuttered for a century. One thing that can do is it can give them. There can be a lot of doubts around them. You know, what I mean, this is not you know, in, mm-hmm. in all the Star Treks we've seen, going to the academy is absolutely the coolest thing on the planet. Like, oh, you're in the academy, you're awesome, you're going to be awesome. In this world, in this future, there could be a lot of doubts about that. There can still be doubts about whether this revived federation is going to work. Mm-hmm. This may not be, for some people, the best career move they can make in that time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I could see that. And then you can see people from really ravaged planets going to this as their their best. Uh, Tasha Yar, you know, from the planet she came from, was this horrible planet they kept talking about and mentioned those gangs, you know, that weird gangs they used to talk about. And you can see in this future that's been so messed up by the lack of the dilithium. You can see people coming from really almost backwards planets going into a Starfleet and seeing things they've never seen before, technology they've never seen before. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of possibility. There could be people from parts of the galaxy that have literally been isolated from the rest of the galaxy yeah. since the Dilithium, uh, whatever whatever that thing was called. Yeah, the burn. burn. The burn, yeah. You could have yeah. whole species who will be completely freaked out going somewhere and seeing all these different species well that was part of the premise in that episode all is possible when tilly mm-hmm. was with the cadets was that those mm-hmm. cadets um and and the academy in general like the different species were unaccustomed to working with one another right you know so there was a lot of friction between them for that reason they had to sort of learn to work together right and that I, i'd love to see that storyline continuing which I mean, absolutely makes perfect sense to me yeah. absolutely all right a couple yeah. of things our buddy Dan says, I wish Trek would do a live action comedy show for adults. I'm with you. And I have said, you know, I, I've said many times that I want there to be a Starfleet medical drama. I want there to be mm-hmm. a Starfleet, um, a, a, a law and order kind of show, you know, a police procedural, all that kind of stuff. It would be fun if the comedy one was in the vein of Scrubs where it's a, a serious medical show with funny characters and, you know, who face real world uh, trauma, but mm-hmm. have a lot of snappy dialogue. I think that would be so much fun. It, it wouldn't have to be the medical one. It could be anything. It could be, you know, like the law and order, but instead it would be like Trek night court. <laughs> yeah. Or, or mash, which is also medical, but mash yeah, oh, thought of that. would be great genius <laughs> all right wayne says i was going to ask you guys if you think the front office the check trek production office is a little too tunnel visioned with their target marketing practices keith and i talked about how they try to make the genre fit the mass audience and it doesn't always work well i think you have to do that to some extent yes i mean i, th- I think that if you're just doing star trekky shows for people who like star trekky shows then that's you're having a dwindling audience. Yeah. You know, right. I think it makes sense to do, I mean, really what they're doing and something I think Kurtzman has done really well is bringing in different creators with different visions of what Star Trek is and could be and letting them do their thing. Yeah. You know, people mm. like to blame Kurtzman for everything that's not good, whether it, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, sometimes that's him letting, you know, um, Michael Shabon follow his vision for what Star Trek is or Patrick right. Stewart follow his vision or right. Brian Fuller follow his vision, even if it's not something that we like. But then when Terry Metalis comes along and, and he lets him do the same thing, all of a sudden Terry Metalis is the savior and Alex Kurtzman sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when really he's just, I mean, he's, Alex Kurtzman is the one who's recruiting all these people. Mike McMahon and Michelle Paradise and the Hageman brothers. He's bringing all these folks in with different visions of what Star Trek is and really I mean, not making them fit it into a mold. Yeah. Which I think is nice. Yeah. Cause that's why 
Deep Space Nine worked so well is because mm-hmm. they weren't forced it was different. into a mold. It wasn't trying to, I mean, it tried to be TNG again a little at first, and that did not work. Right. Right. But then they had um, Voyager to try, they tried to make TNG. <laughs> and, and Wayne, that's a really good point about the discussion we had and discussion, I think, that Charles and Alan were just saying now, too, which is you don't want to have too much television because, you know, for some of us, Star Trek going on in the same mold and mode is fine. But you're right, you want to bring in new people. And then that goes back to those movies. You can use those movies to try new things as well, mm-hmm. uh, new, new approaches. Again, you don't want to and don't have the money and the resources to have series that fail, but you can try movies and see what sticks. That may be com- something completely different from what we want to see mm-hmm. or thought think we want to see. He, he counters with, but the audience is dwindling now. I don't know if that's true um, because I mean the latest season of Picard, I mean, they hit the, right. the top 10 streaming shows that they, they, they don't usually, but I think the, the, the subscriber base of Paramount plus is what we're looking at. And that seems to be growing. So I don't know we don't get like Nielsen ratings like we used to. Exactly. So, There's yeah. no way to know those things until right. a streaming service shuts down and then you find out, Oh, <laughs> they had completely lost all their subscribers. Right. But we don't know how these things perform. Other than when you get those reports that say, you know, um, however many more subscribers came in this year or Picard was the number one streamer of the, you know, whatever. So, yeah, but you don't get those real time ratings like we are familiar with with network television. Right. I mean, one thing we do know, though, is that, I mean, Star Trek Discovery, for instance, is getting its second spinoff and also a spinoff movie. So that I mean, yeah. that's it doesn't seem to me like Paramount Paramount Plus is disappointed with its, you know, you, right. you don't you don't keep making more of a show that's failing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If the first right. Law and Order doesn't make any money, you don't make five more. What's super interesting though is that for Discovery spinoffs, one is potentially set early, early on twenty second century, and the other one is potentially set thirty second century. So it's spun mm-hmm. off into two completely different mm-hmm. thousand year apart time frames i think that's really fascinating yeah okay dan says i hope they have a barkley like character in the starfleet academy show someone unsure of themselves who others help they've got a chance to correct the flaw of the trouble with edward the short trek episode with the new character not just being blamed as an idiot make the characters relatable and sympathetic to the audience don't red squad them Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. Tilly with Tilly kind of sort of was that the person who had a little bit of lack of faith confidence in herself at yeah. first. Was yeah, always struggling to overcome her. Lack and everyone of loved her. And everyone yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And and that episode where she takes the cadets out and they're on the planet and they have the monster mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. That's one of my favorite episodes of that season. Yeah, I loved that's, seeing that's, her in that position, and I loved seeing those cadets, those student age um, characters put in that situation where they're learning to work together. They're learning right. how to be Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great stuff. And, and real quick, before we move on, I just wanted to mention yep. that Tawny Newsom has announced that she's in the writer's room yes. for Starfleet Academy, yes. which I think is great. I mean, for one, I love to see people from different shows, like working on different shows, I, you yeah. know, that, but Tawny Newsom is like super funny. And so that gives and me a lot of confidence. Super into Star Trek. Yeah. Like she'll, she is. She'll argue with the writers. Yeah. Lower she argues with my no, man all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she, yeah. yeah she's that. the real deal, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. I'll say that because for the first time I have never watched the ready room before now. And what? for the last, no, I've never watched the ready. I've just never watched it. And for the last several days, as I've been doing chores and stuff around the house, I've been listening to the ready room. And I listened to Tawny Newsom on the ready room last night talking to Will Wheaton. And she was impressive, mm, incredibly yes. knowledgeable, incredibly, like you said, she can be real funny. And then she just talks about things with such a, a seriousness and an understanding mm-hmm. of serious human nature. I, I could see how she's a writer as well as an actress. She, she, is, a, incredibly she is a, impressive. yeah, she is a smart lady. Yeah. yeah, she, she yeah. also co-hosts the pod directive with yes. Paul F. Tompkins, which is the official mm. Star Trek podcast, mm. uh, which I recommend. It's it's good and it's funny. Yeah, but if we, you have to listen to something other than us, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, don't. Okay, we got only a few minutes left. So what's our right. next topic? So let's move into the, a, a potential show that's not been announced, but what everyone else is clamoring for, which is Star Trek Legacy. Right on, baby. <laughs> yeah. 
And what's so funny is we have given it a name. You know, I mean, it, it, that name is just <laughs> stuck. It, it, the name is stuck. It's like if it comes out and it's not named Star Trek Legacy, we're going to say what the hell, you know, because right. it's so funny. That is literally the name attached to that un, that project that has not been greenlit. Right. Yeah. And I doubt but that they, stick as a name. Yeah. I don't know. That was Terry Metalis's name for it. That's, he started that. So and we've all we all use it now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but really, as long as he's doing a show, I think people go with whatever yes. title. But I That's mean, true. this doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I believe that CBS has or the CBS Studios has um, got the the UR, uh, the the domain name Star Trek Legacy now. Uh, but I believe I read that that they have now registered that domain name, which could just be. Somebody in legal covering their bases. Exactly. You are correct. Exactly. And actually, yeah. and actually, Charles, if I'm not mistaken, I read too. I think some somebody owned Star Trek Legacy. There was mm. one of those they actually and they sold it and they didn't sell it for as much as I would have sold it for. Keith is all about bilking CBS. Yes. Hey man, <laughs> they got it. I like, look. My price for this is you actually make this show. Right. <laughs> I would sell it for that. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, that's a absolutely. great deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, real, real quickly, if if they if they did a legacy, would you would you keep the characters we saw at the end of the card, and what would you want that show's focus to be? You want it just be an episode of the week, or some kind of specific purpose, specific kind of mission? Well, we when we just recently appeared on the Earth Station One podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which everybody should go listen to, we were talking about Picard season three. I had a little bit to say about this, so I'll just repeat mm-hmm. a little bit of it here. <laughs> that I mean, if a few years ago someone had said. I've got a great idea for a Star Trek show. It's about Picard and Crusher's son and LaForge's daughter, and they have a flirtation with each other, and they're on the new Enterprise, captained by Seven of Nine. I'd be like, that is the dumbest fanfic idea I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Like, just throw in Molly O'Brien and Alexander Roshinko, and it'll just be Star Trek TNG Jr. There you go. And, but I will say that I, I do really like the characters and the actors. Yes. I think it's goofy that people think that the only way forward for Star Trek is with the kids of the old Star Trek and with mm-hmm. Q showing up to like, we, it's just, it just, to me, it just is the, is the most fanish idea. I do yes. like the setup for it. I will definitely watch it if it comes out, Agreed. but I mean, it's, it's extremely just like the, you know, snake eating its own tail as far as <laughs> like, we got to get a new, some new ideas in there. It can't just be guess who's back this week from old 90s Star Trek. Right, right. Um, I do. I think. I do think seven of nine. Again, I, I say this all the time. For me to say this is pretty major. I think seven of nine has earned her stripes, and mm-hmm. yes. such that you could explore the uniqueness of the kind of character she is, where she could absolutely lead a show. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things they could do because she was a ranger for all those years. And mm-hmm. I'd love to see that ranger bring whatever that is to be a ranger into this show, kind of like you mm-hmm. know in. Um, and Picard, Beverly Crusher, and I, and by the way, guys, we were talking about TV movies. I'd love to see a TV movie. What the heck happened to Beverly Crusher during those 20 years? When did right. she leave Starfleet Medical? What kind of adventures was she on? And what she basically said is, I go places where Starfleet Medical doesn't go, the places you guys have kind of forgotten. I'd love to see Seven kind of want to pay attention to that because she's been a ranger out there for years fighting all kinds of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'd love to see something like that come onto it. Not saying it's got to be a quote unquote dark and gritty show, but I'd like to see something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they even said it in that last episode of Card, and I may be misremembering the titles, but mm-hmm. a ranger, a spy, and a thief. What are we going to do now? Right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think it's a shame that I think that a lot of Star Trek fans who were clamoring for legacy will hold it against Starfleet Academy that it's not that show. Yeah. And that it's a show <laughs> in the Discovery time frame, and that it's a show geared toward younger people. Yeah. And I think that's a shame. I think there's room in Star Trek for new, young, fresh ideas. And there's mm-hmm. room in Star Trek for, you know, senior citizens, you know, tearfully reuniting on reproductions of the old sets. <laughs> but Star Trek can't just be that. You're going to run out of senior citizens right. at some point. You know, like yeah. we got to yeah. get the new and fresh in there along with making use of the history of the show. And I've said before, I think that 90s Star Trek has just a, a huge number of characters and situations that you can pull from. Yeah. But right. I don't want Star Trek to just be retreading what it did in the 90s 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah there's so much more to explore than just that one i mean like aspect. look look what lower decks did with the um pack led mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. mean they took something from yeah. the 90s and just like 
exploded it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I don't think that Star Trek has done very well since 2017 is introducing new memorable races and mm-hmm. planets. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got like Saru's planet. Um, oh, maybe gosh, the yes. maybe the planet from Prodigy, but mm-hmm. otherwise, it's, I mean, it's been a lot of guess who's back, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you that's know? a very good point. Yeah, that's that, a good that point. That is a great point. Yeah, there's not been any new uh, equivalent of Klingon or Romulan or Cardassian or whatever that fills that void, that fills that right. role, that it becomes the iconic thing from this era of Trek. Right. Right. And I yeah. wonder how much of that is that we used to get 26 episodes a year and now we mm-hmm. get 10 and you don't have as much time. But if you had devoted, you know, like something in, along those lines in one of those shows and just made something like, I don't know, I, I don't even know, but you make a good point And I don't know <laughs> where the <laughs> hell I'm going with that. Right. But oh, No, you're I- right. They haven't done that. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think I agree. And that's why sometimes I get frustrated. I get frustrated with the, with the callbacks to, you know, braces like the Gorn or something like that, because as you said, yeah. the original series, everything they did, they said was, they did was new. And even next generation, when they entered, you know, when they introduced the Cardassians, the Cardassians didn't reach their fullness until Deep Space Nine. But they right. planted such a rich race that they built on that. And that was new. You got to take swings. You got to throw something mm-hmm. against the wall and see what sticks. That's the only way. Right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, they, they did the same thing with the Trill. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what mm-hmm. I was going to say. The trill and the Ferengi. And yeah. but the, the big one that they had was the Borg. Mm-hmm. And right. all those things were good concepts. They were introduced well. They were developed well. And we just mm-hmm. haven't had that in the modern era. Right. Yeah. Because there's such a focus now on like nostalgia, mm-hmm. on right. bringing back and either reinventing or recreating something from the past. I would love for them to just create something that's just just tell a great story. And if the 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 creature of the week warrants it, do it again. You yeah. know, it's yeah. like with Doctor Who. I always get excited when there's a Dalek or a Cyberman episode. But at some point, you got to create like the Weeping Angels. You got to add to the pot. Yes. You know. Yeah. So, um, Charles, that yeah. then explains. That's some insight. Then that explains why you like. Was it the Ten C in Discovery so much? I do like the Ten C. That's yeah. I, do I too. thought very memorable. I don't know that they're a race that we're going to see a whole lot, but I would love right. to get more exploration of them. That's a I good point. You, that was a memorable alien. Yeah. I remember you and Alan talking about how much y'all like that yeah. species, and now uh, th- that makes even more sense why you like them so much. Yeah, yeah I didn't it was, know what it was they were going to be. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> high concept idea yeah. that yeah. was executed well and was really engaging, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. All right. Comment. Dan okay. Leckie says a similar thing. This is about registering the URL. A similar thing happened with the upcoming Nick Meyer. Audio drama uh, SETI Alpha 5 was registered as a trademark before it was announced, which always happens. By the Mm. way, more than any other current scheduled project, that is the one that he's most excited about. Yeah, I haven't heard about that in a while. So I I haven't either. I've I've not heard anything about that. And I I still think that, like, podcast is something that star trek should move more into like audios mm-hmm. so i think i hope that mm. they do and i hope that they keep moving in that direction that would be a great way for them to do the nostalgia stuff mm-hmm. true because you know as long as patrick stewart is alive he doesn't have to be able to run and jump down corridors and fight aliens he can just record his voice and it's going to be amazing right yeah and armin yeah. shimmerman doesn't have to put on all the fringy makeup and he'll be more than happy to do cork mm-hmm. right for the rest uh, of his life <laughs> it's funny exactly. you say that it's funny you said that alan because just last night a feed popped up on my phone that said jonathan frakes is getting ready to do a new uh another voice work a uh, more voice work for a star trek game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yep that star trek resurgence has Riker in it nice yeah wow, <clears throat> amazing. um dan makes an, a, a, another good point um he says he's looking forward to seeing more of Captain Angel in Strange New Worlds. Yeah. I think Angel has the potential to be that sort of memorable villain, mm-hmm. that really charismatic character like we've seen in in uh, characters like Gold Ducat. You know, right. I think that Angel has that potential and pairing her them up with uh, Cybok, I think is a really interesting move. And I'm that's. As I've said uh, a week or two ago, that's the thing that I'm most excited about next season mm. of uh, Strange New Worlds is seeing how that developed, that situation mm. between those two. And, right. and that's something that it, they're pulling in something new 
Yes. But they're pairing it with something that's nostalgic. Mm-hmm. So it's they're pulling both of not- them together. Right. right. It's nostalgic, but not overly done, not over mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not another Klingon or whatever, you know, right. which it's something that we've only seen one time. We know very little about. There's a lot of room to develop. Yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's practically new. Right. <laughs> nice. All right. We want to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Wrap it up. All right. So next week, uh, the plan is to we'll be talking about a little bit of a, something that's a hot button topic in the real world, um, but commonplace on Star Trek, which is the role of AI in society. Yes. Yeah. And yes. something that a, a part of that, that really interests me is the role of AI in art and the way mm-hmm. that the way that that's reflected in the Star Trek universe. And while our current society is barely beginning to grapple with it. So tune in next week for that. And if you have any opinions on that, Give us a call on the Earth Station Trek hotline. You can get us at 307-387-1701 and leave us a voice message. Or you can also email an MP3 to earthstationtrek at gmail.com. And we, we'd love to play your message on the show and respond to it. Um, you can also message us the old-fashioned way if you have any thoughts about that or save it up the for the show. The old-fashioned way. <laughs> email. You can, or you can, <laughs> or you can, we don't have a mailing address. Sorry. Yeah, or you can save it up and, and message us on the show about it. Yep. Right. Right. All right. So that'll oh, be next I, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. In that, fact, I'm, I'm I, looking forward to that. I, I very much encourage someone to use chat GPT to generate their question to us. <laughs> wow. 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 There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> All right. Alan, where people find more of you? I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I more? <laughs> oh, more. Oh, even more. Okay. Um, cosmicpress.com. K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. And? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. Yep. And we also have a convention appearance, not just as Felt Nerdy, but right. uh, Earth Station Trek. Yep. Half of us will be at uh, doing an Earth Station Trek panel at Metrotham in Chattanooga. Uh, that's the weekend of what are the dates, Veronica? I don't remember. Me either. Am I Thir- the thirteenth. That yep, the, that, that'll be on the Saturday the 13th at 2 p.m. is what we're currently scheduled. Um, and while you're there, you can take in a couple of felt nerdy shows and come see us at our table. And we'll be doing a little panel about Star Trek. So And John the Freaks will be there. That's right. Not on our on panel. Your panel? No. 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 Well, we had to we had to find someone to fill in for you, Alan. So <laughs> <laughs> no, Franks will not be on our panel, but he'll be at the con. So yep. uh, it should be a lot of fun. And we're going to try to get into more of these conventions and try to yeah. get there as a group when they're hopefully more local and we can get uh, a confirmation soon enough where I can plan to be there. <laughs> but um, this should be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Veronica, do you have a closing for us? Live long and prosper. All right. Perfect. I'll take it. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.